This, this is Brock and Salt. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Getting- Mike on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Heward, not exactly Joe Cap there in the pocket. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> All right, let's go. Good morning. Hi, everybody. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, and the Seattle Sports app, plus all the podcast platforms. Uh, it's nice to have you guys with us this morning. Uh, there's snow on the ground. What's up with that? That was an Don't unexpected. Love I Don't love it, Salk. Yeah. Not really on the ground because it's raining. It, like, melted it, but it's on your car. Yeah, it was on the car, and it was sort of in my lawn a little bit when okay. I was walking to my car. So, we, whoa, 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 what is this? There's snow here? I was not expecting it at all. Not so. okay. Yeah, not okay at all. Um, yes, I'm just going to do it. I just, I'd like to talk a little bit about what happened in Kansas City yesterday to start the show. And I I was really affected by that yesterday. I, I'm sure I'm not alone unless, you know, we've become numb to these moments it is difficult not to be affected when you hear about what happened yesterday. 22 people injured, many of them shot by three gunmen. At least one person has died. Nine of the injuries, I believe, or 11 of the injuries were children. There's amazing footage of the Chiefs players and coaches trying to console and help many of the people that were there and affected by it. And I... I I mean, look, like everybody, my heart obviously goes out to everyone who's affected by this. I can't believe this happens. I can't believe this happens at the celebration of a championship. By the way, it's not the first time. Did you know that there were guns fired at both? I just read this yesterday at both the Rangers and Nuggets celebrations. I'm not sure I realized that. Read it yesterday. I guess maybe I had read it wrong, but I don't remember. Do you remember any of that? I don't. Maybe nobody was shot or killed but that there was gunfire at both of those celebrations. Is that what we're going to do now? Anytime people gather for joy, there's going to be gunfire? I mean, it can happen going to the grocery store. It's, it's, it's horrible. It is, it is absolutely horrible. And this is not the station for us to get into a lengthy debate on gun control. I think it wouldn't be very hard for anyone to guess what my position is on it. I feel very, very, very strongly about it. But that's not what we do here, so I'm not going to have the conversation. If you want, you can tune into our sister station. I'm sure they'll be having something along those lines today. And if you ever find me in person, I'm happy to have a reasonable, thoughtful debate with you, as I have with plenty of other people. This isn't the platform for it. But I do think it is hard for us to have nice things. And I'm going to put this in a different category of something that I was already thinking about. And it's going to be tough because I don't want to make a comparison between these two moments. But I found myself already thinking about the we can't have nice things because of what happened over the weekend at the Waste Management Open. And it's not at the same level. It's nowhere close. One involves the loss of life. One involves, uh, you know, people shooting guns. The other is just drunken idiocy. But it does strike me that everything that makes an event fun ends up getting taken to excess in that case and will eventually probably ruin it. Anybody, anybody watch any of the Waste Management Open? Oh, yeah. I, no, I asked that in emails. Like, is, has it tipped? Is, it's is, tipped. Is it, is it over? Yep. It's probably yeah. over. 
And it's been fun for at least 10, maybe closer to 20 years. And it built and it built and it built. And it started with, hey, let's have people cheer on this one hole. And then we'll have caddy races. Well, somebody got hurt. We're not going to have caddy races anymore. Okay. Well, then we're going to do this. And and it got bigger and bigger. And then whenever there's something fun, it seems to attract an awful element. An element of society that wants to come in, take it to excess, believes more is more, and ends up ruining that event. And this year they had to shut down beer sales because of that element of the population that can't handle fun things and has to take it overboard. And what was a unique, cool, different, fun celebration is now likely going to be have to reined in significantly. In, in short, the actions of the few will end up ruining it for the many at that particular event. It's not the first time. And I'm not, again, it's really hard to even talk about that and bring it back into to what happened in Kansas City yesterday. But I, I do just think that the same thing will eventually happen for parades and concerts more or going to the grocery store or whatever. Things that have been forever altered by gunfire. And if I were a city official, I would think twice about having a victory parade in my town. If I were a radio host, oh, hey, I am, and one of the teams here or anywhere had a victory parade, I would think twice about wanting to be down there in that mass of people knowing what has happened over and over and over again. And, oh, by the way, the one confirmed death from what happened yesterday was a radio host, a DJ in town. Unbelievable. Just just, just really hard for me to fathom. I don't know the motivations of the shooters. I'm not going to pretend to know their motivations. The whole thing is, is so incredibly sad to me. And on an additional level uh, to just the loss of life and, and loss of safety. We're ruining our privileges of having fun. Honestly, like as a society, it feels like we're ruining our privilege to go out and have fun. To go out and have freedom. That we take advantage of... And, and act irresponsibly every time we have some of these fun things, we find a way to ruin it. And beyond that, it leads to an additional problem, loneliness. And by the way, this is going to end up being a self-fulfilling cycle. But do you know in the last, I was just reading this this morning, Derek Thompson writes for The Atlantic. In the last 20 years, the average face-to-face socialization, so the amount of times that people spend with other people, has declined 30%. 30% among adults. Adults spend 30% less time with other adults. You know what that number is for kids, teenagers? 50%. And this is how in the 20 years? In the last two decades. 50% for teenagers. That, that leads to loneliness. I know we have other ways of communicating. I know that we have texts and social media and all the other ways that people yeah, can now I'm communicate. Sure the pandemic skews some of this a little bit. Sure. I'm sure it does. But in the last 20 years, those numbers are staggering. 30% for adults, 50% for teens. And I, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a psychologist. But I don't know that it's a huge leap to think that some of those loneliness numbers contribute to some, not all, some of the problems that we that we see. So I, again, I, I find myself to be incredibly sad today. Uh, this is not the first huge shooting that we've seen in America. In fact, they happen all too often. 
it's not even the first one that is connected to sports, although it, this one sort of felt very, very connected to sports because the players and coaches were right there. And I read that Albert Breer tweet that you sent over, Justin, and Breer said he heard that the guys were incredibly helpful, that they were incredibly helpful to the kids and the families and everybody who had turned out for this parade. I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see that they were able to to step in and step up and do everything that they could to ease an incredibly awful situation. But the whole thing just kind of makes yeah. me sick. And in sports are, it was, I mean, the reason that we love it so much is what it does for your community and brings people together and you get to celebrate a common goal and it's not political and on and on and on and on. And then something like this that is supposed to be a community, arm around each other, celebrate, turned into a bit of the opposite, well, a lot of the opposite. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know how this stuff keeps happening. And I'm not smart enough to figure out the solution to it. I know it's complex. I know it's complicated. I know that there are arguments that make sense and and plenty of others that don't. And, and every time you think you have a solution, something else comes up. But we seem to be the society that has the biggest problem with this. And the fact that it is it is in this case and in many other cases adjacent to our world, the sports world, just just makes me sick to my stomach this morning. So uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll give you guys everything you need to know. Most of the day will be about, you know, specifically sports and decision days for the Seahawks and Mariners pitchers and catchers down there throwing in Peoria. We'll come right back with everything you need to know next. I'm Brock and Salk. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it's decision day for the Seahawks as they get a couple of players whose contracts become guaranteed tomorrow for the upcoming season. So you would think they would need to make a decision on them today. The biggest name, of course, is Geno Smith. It sure would make sense that he would be back for next season. K.J. Wright thinks that he will. Geno Smith is going to be the starting quarterback week one of the 2024 season. There's no doubt in my mind. What he brings to the table, even with his contract, he's not just destroying you when it comes to salary cap. And what he brings to the table on game day, compared to what his contract is, yes, I fully expect Geno Smith come Friday to still be on this team. Well, certainly hasn't done anything to make you think he can't handle that job or that he could be a, couldn't be a bridge to a draft pick. The only reason this becomes a conversation is that John Schneider seems to have an affection for Drew Locke, and the potential of drafting another quarterback makes the possibility that something could happen here. More interesting, though, is maybe the case for the end for Dre Jones. He was their big signing last offseason. Obviously, you'd hate to give up on anybody that quickly, but K.J. Wright was certainly willing to. This could be hard for me to see. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I look at the, the product on the field. I look at the playmaking on the field, and it's just I need more. I need way, way more. I need dominance. I need you to throw linemen to the ground. I don't want to see you on the ground on run plays. You know what I mean? And so I expected, when we did sign them to that country, I expected dominance. I expected a lot of playmaking. Yeah. And um, I didn't see enough to say that we're going to go forward in this next regime. Yeah, he also doesn't necessarily fit McDonald's defense as well, and there may not be money to sign both him and Leonard Williams. So that is a name that we would certainly be watching today. Uh, they do have a lot of big decisions ahead of them. Obviously, John Schneider will be the one making them. And hey, guess what? 
John is going to be restarting the John Schneider show this afternoon at four o'clock with Wyman and Bob. So I would assume that every radio, every, what do you call it? Website tuner will be uh, on uh, our station at four o'clock. Every Seattle sports app. That's right. Every Seattle sports app, every one of them to listen to John Schneider on with Wyman and Bob. Here's the second thing you need to know. All the pitchers and catchers are working out today for the first time. They're not the only ones. Plenty of position players already there. Julio is there. JP is there. Mitch Haniger is there. France is there. Rojas. Urias. Cade Marlowe. Plenty of guys who are there. And we got to see a little video of Ty France working out at driveline this offseason. Did you watch the video of that? Ty looked pretty good. He was getting after it. He was working hard, working that body and trying to gain a little explosiveness his buddy jp seemed to be pretty impressed with it so a return to form for ty france would be absolutely huge for this team what kind of team are they going to be they'll be good the question is will they be great aaron goldsmith who was on yesterday says it's time anytime you got julio you got to have big expectations i think as long as julio rodriguez is a member of your organization which of course he will be for a long time you have to go into every year with the expectation of at the worst being a wild card team in other words you have to go into every year with the expectation of making the playoffs yeah i would agree with that but here's the question Will they get off to a better start than they have in the past, right? The last two years, April and especially May, have been brutal. It doesn't necessarily take you out of the entire season, but it sure makes it a lot harder. I understand that. I will continue to say it's early, whether the Mariners get off to a hot start or a slow one, because baseball is played over six months. But gosh, it would sure make your life a little easier to get hot early. Just because you get off to a hot start doesn't mean that's how it's going to finish. We all know how long the season is. But it does seem to me like one of the real keys for this year is can the Mariners come out and have a winning month of April, a winning month of April and the few days before in March, because they all count the same. And the Mariners needed that one extra win at some point in the 162 to get them over the hump, and they couldn't get it. Yeah, no major surprises in Keith Law's assessment of their farm system yesterday. Colt Emerson quickly vaulted to the top of that list, even ahead of Cole Young and Harry Ford. I guess what stands out most, they had a lot of athletic young hitters in the low minors and not a lot of top-tier pitching. Their highest-rated pitcher, Teddy McGraw, is number 12 on their list of prospects, according to Keith Law, and the other listings have it roughly the same. He was just drafted last year and is a bit of a wild card, so... They are going to need to replenish a lot of the pitching that they've either traded or graduated to the major leagues. Here's the third thing you need to know. Unimaginable tragedy in Kansas City yesterday. 22 injured after guns were fired at the Kansas City Chiefs parade. 11 of the victims were children. There was one death, a local radio DJ named Lisa Lopez. I don't recommend looking at the comment sections on this at all. Um, Kudos to the civilians uh, who tackled one of the alleged gunmen and were able to hold him until the police arrived. Here is the Kansas City Fire Chief with an update. ACFD units, along with our mutual aid partners that were working to assist us at this event, touched a total of 22 gunshot victims. One of those was a fatality. We had eight what we considered immediately life-threatening patients. We had seven with uh, life-threatening injuries, and we had six that were at minor injuries. Of the most serious, the immediately life-threatening injuries, we had eight of those. Those were all transported and off the scene and route to hospitals within 10 minutes. We transported three different hospitals. We transported Children's Mercy, Truman Medical, and also St. Luke's on the Plaza. Man, hearing children's in there is just really... 
really, really awful. Uh, the day did seem to be all about fun until then. Drunken players, linebacker Willie Gay rolling around shirtless in the street, and Travis Kelsey attempting to sing. But uh, unfortunately, all of that will be overshadowed by what happened at the end. Uh, tonight, big night. Kraken will be in Boston. Try to win two in a row. The scene of where they're probably their best win in franchise history, at least in the regular season. And uh, if you have Peacock, you know you should be watching tonight. Caitlin Clark going for the oh, record. Yeah, that tonight. is tonight. That will be on in my house, I can assure you, as uh, my kids will be psyched to see if she gets it done. And she will get it done this evening. All right, that's everything you need to know. Whew, quarter past, excuse me, every hour here on the Brock and Sulk Show. Are the Bruins the best team in hockey right now? Are they pretty close? Uh, they're up there. I think they're I know the Canucks, as you said yesterday, are really, really. Not if you talk to my there. dad. Oh, if really? They lo- if they lose like yeah. a couple, he's like, oh, they're really struggling right yeah. now. I don't know. I'm like, dad, you should see what the Kraken have going on. Yeah, there's a, there's not a lot of, uh, of of willingness to view the whole picture when you live in that city or root for those teams. Instead, you just kind of. Get mad at your own team, regardless. Let's see. They have uh, fifth, they have seventy four points. That does give them the second best uh, point total in hockey in behind hockey. Vancouver, who wow. has seventy eight. But you know, Florida's Ooh. breathing down their neck, and uh, so are the Rangers and Stars. You know, there's a group at the top that are all sort of in the same area. And the Bruins are one of those teams. So uh, an opportunity to go test yourself against one of the best. You're going to play them twice, I think, within the next 10 days. You're going to play Vancouver in there at least once, if not twice as well. They so, played them really well in one of their games last year. The Kraken did. Who? The Bruins. Oh, they beat them in, oh, yeah. in Boston. It was probably this. the best yeah. win in franchise history. But it was a really complete game for them. Fan- yeah. It was probably the best game they've ever played. So if we could see more of that, that would be great. And if not, as we talked about with John Forslund yesterday, Probably going to be some changes that are going to end up being made here on this team. All right. Uh, We sat down with KJ yesterday for the final KJ Wright show. It was sad. Final one of the season. I think he'll mention it tonight. Uh, Oh, as he hosts the Sports Star Awards? I don't know. I hope so. He should. uh, That would be be great if he did. Um, So much to get to from KJ, but he did offer a lot of his thoughts on the big questions surrounding this team's offseason, reaction to the new coach. Stick around. You'll hear it all next on Brock and Salk. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Brock, we're going to learn here in the final 30 minutes of the KJ Wright show for this season. KJ's dancing next to me just like he was when Usher was on stage <laughs> during the Super Bowl halftime show a couple days ago. Um, since uh, since the season ended, the Seahawks have a new head coach in Mike McDonald. Mm-hmm. And now, since we've talked to you last, they have a new coordinator for the offense in uh, Ryan Grubb and a new yep. offensive line coach. So they, they finally have sort of complimented him with the offensive side of the ball. Yes. What do you make of Ryan Grubb and the transition he'll be making from college to the NFL? I like it. I really do like it. We saw what he did this past season with the Huskies, the past two seasons with the Husky. Mm-hmm. And with Penix and Brock, here's my big question. I want you to back me up or say, KJ, you out of your yep. mind? You're crazy. Yep. I look at calling plays in college versus calling plays in the NFL. Obviously, we know in college football, it's points, 60, 70 points is like each and every week. Bad defense, bad ball, obviously on defense. But Brock, can you explain to me, this is how I see it, the hash marks mm-hmm. in college versus in pros. You have way more room to work with in yep. college. <clears throat> if you yep. give me a trip set to the field, yep. um, it's a different trip set than it is in pros. And I feel like he may have to get 
accustomed to changing mm-hmm. his style of play calling <laughs> in the pros versus the versus the uh, you know I think college, that's totally fair. You know, in college you can go quads, and he would do a fair amount of that. And then in the title game, they really did a lot. You just you know you you have so much space to the field, you don't have that kind of space. You see speed and space, right? Basketball mm-hmm. on grass, the air rate, all of that. I think the advantage here, KJ, and why it will be an easier transition, and you know this, the NFL game is a matchup game, mm-hmm. a matchup game. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of years in college, when you were playing in college, as I've covered it for 17 years, for about 10 of those 17, it was all speed, it was spread, it was tempo, yep. it was basic concepts, it was just get my guy you know, one-on-one or get him in the open field or get him in the space. That's not really Ryan's system. Uh-huh. He is much, much more diverse. Uh-huh. You're going to see him shift in motion. I, I've, I've rattled this stat up a number of times. He is top five in the country in pre-snap movement. You asked why Corn Dog uh, was so successful. You know why Corn Dog was so yep, successful. Yep. It's a hard concept, <laughs> um, even if they just lined up stagnant. But it becomes really difficult when you motion and you move and you change assignments and you force guys to communicate. Mm-hmm. So I would say KJ, the premise I totally get. And if you hired, oh I don't know, Dabo Sweeney's offensive coordinator seven years ago. If you hired, you know, a spread coach or Mike Leach. I think there would be an enormous, difficult transition. Mm-hmm. A lot of his stuff is already pro-style, and I think that's why they were pretty enamored with him yeah. through the entire process. Yeah, and and my next question, Brock, is living in shotgun. Are we going to see living in shotgun 80%, 70%, mm. or will he get in the, um, back to the drawing board yep. and get under center some? I think that will depend on personnel. I think yeah. he's good enough to uh, mix and match his personnel. Um, the Another advantage is... And this is probably one thing I haven't said about him, Salky, for all, you know, everything and all the conversation. Ryan Grubb is like a, uh, I don't want to say, you know, the edge of a, of a littler guy, but he's had to battle and scrap for everything. He has never mm-hmm. had, you know, until he got to Washington and, and they brought Penix. But when they brought Penix in, he was broken, Humpty Dumpty mm-hmm. in a million pieces, and they put him back together. But Grubb is one that's always been an overachiever. He's done more with less. And that, to me, again, is is a pretty attractive feature. And uh, you, you'll hear Mike McDonald talk a lot about growth mindset. Salk, you asked him about it. This is where I hope we can transition and play a bunch of sound because I want to hear KJ react to uh, to what you hear in this from Mike McDonald. Salk asked him very specifically on Monday when he jumped on with us, what do you mean by all of this growth mindset? Yeah, I think you're trying to understand how people think, and it's trying to push the envelope about what they're trying to do and what trying they're accomplished. So people that just have the mindset of like, hey, this was this way we've always done it and this is the way to do it and we're stuck on that, like that's not appealing to me and the guys that were trying to, you know, join our organization. So I think when you look at his track record and, and the things that they've done, they're always looking to find new ways schematically and through relationships and how he operates uh, to help his guys. And I just, I respected that about him. And and a lot of, and there's a lot of great coaches out there that have that type of mindset, but Mm -hmm. I think it's important. That mindset between this is what we do, KJ. This is who we are, right? You guys were single high cover three. This is who we are versus we got to grow and evolve. It may have to do that week to week. That's evolution. That's evolution. That's getting better as an organization that's seeing I'm here at this level, let me take this to a completely new mm-hmm. height. And so I'm excited that we have someone that's coming in that, hey, well, I'm bringing in something new. I'm bringing in something fresh. I'm bringing in a mindset that that I got from this tree. I got this this from the Ozzie Newsoms, from the Harbaugh's. I'm going to implement it here. And, hey, we're going to do year one. 
year two, we can get better as well. Mm-hmm. We we can we can get better um, and grow from there. And so you have this guy that's preaching this mindset. I'm thoroughly excited to see it. He gave a little bit more detail, too, on what he would like to see his offense look like. Well, I want to build the offense through the same lens of how we're building, of how we built the defense and we're going to build it here. So we have to be really, really good at the core philosophies, core fundamentals, core concepts. And then I w- we want to be able to apply those things you know, on a game-to-game basis based on who we're playing. So we don't want to reinvent our offense every week. So we have to have a core identity. So what is that? Well, we're going to be a physical unit. Like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to run the football, you know, and we want to have answers for the quarterback, and we want to keep it consistent for him, you know, so he can play fast and play decisive and, uh, and get the ball to our playmakers. So he's getting me juiced up talking this talk that he's talking. He's, he's getting me juiced up. I know what you're talking, coach. So what he's saying is we have to be, we're talking about our core identity, our core fundamentals. This is like your bread and butter. This is your meat and potatoes. This is when you come in there day one and you show something on that drawing board, this is who the heck we are. Yeah. We are not wavering from this. We are not moving from this. When you put on this Seahawks jersey, this is what you are going to stand for. When you go out there on OTAs, practice one, this is the first defensive play that we're going to call. This, this is what he's talking about when we're talking about core. And then you talk about building off of that, branching off of that. When you have your core, now we're going to add this. Now we're going to add that. Now we're going to sprinkle a little salt and pepper on this to really make this steak taste good. So that's what he's saying, and this is what I'm really excited about with McDonald. The last two years, what was the core identity of the Seahawks defense and offense? Last two years, the core identity on defense seemed to be chasing people as they ran into the end zone, mostly. <laughs> Come on, Sock. Well, the they cor- were 30th and 31st against the run. Well, let I mean, me what you, am I like? I'm well, not making it up. I'll say There's this. a reason the coach isn't here. Like, but, they were terrible on defense. I'll, what are you talking about? I'll, I'll, <laughs> Their core philosophy was getting beat, not tackling, and allowing guys to run into the end zone. <laughs> what do you mean? I'll say this. Brock, what the... What the? <laughs> was that a controversial take? I didn't say it was. That's not controversial. Mars giving you this look right now. No. Like, KJ, two Mar- years Mar- ago. I always give Salt that I'm one. To- <laughs> K- KJ, two years ago when Clint Hurd took over the defense uh, from Ken Norton, and he and he sat in his first defensive meeting, and he put down and laid down, this is our core identity. What was it? It is supposed to be aggressive. That was the, the word. Yep. yep. That was the word. When I, I went in a few production meetings, I was doing myself from, with the media. That was the word. Aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. Mm-hmm. Game one of the preseason, the first play he called was a slasher, a blitz right off the edge. So that's what it was supposed to be. And it, it was not. It wasn't. It, it wasn't. wasn't. It, it didn't live Mm-mm. up yeah. to Mm-mm. what it's It's one thing to, to say you've got a philosophy and a core principle. You actually have to yes. then demonstrate it when, yes. you know, you're actually in games and throughout, you know, you have to be consistent about it. That's now, what that means. Now, now, on, now on offense, what was the identity on offense? Mm. I think Njigba said it best. It was, it wasn't there. It was good luck. It was, <laughs> good it, luck it, to it, those it, of you in it, Chicago. It, it was not there. It was, it was pre-snap. Right. I could tell you what was coming. Post-snap, it was vanilla. It just is bad news. So let's start to move this into some decisions that they now have to make. And by the way, before we do it, let me point out that tonight, KJ will be celebrating Valentine's Day, I would assume, with his lovely wife. Tomorrow, 
He will be hosting the 89th Sports Star of the Year Awards yeah. tomorrow night. KJ is the host. Seattle Sports is going to be there as well to celebrate the biggest sports stories and athletes of 2023. Tickets and info, you can still get them at seattlesports.com slash events. Are you ready? Do you have a tux? What will you be wearing? Are I'm, you excited? I'm wearing a black tux, black tie, Oof. my sparkly black shoes. Well, you're going to look good. I have my, my jokes ready. What size jacket do you wear? I get it custom made. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what size like, it you is. Guys, can you go a little longer the on arms. the sleeves here? The <laughs> and um, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a really fun night. Nice. Bring some juice. Bring some energy. It's going to be a good time. That's going to be awesome. I may throw a Mike Sog joke in there. Uh, that'd so. be great. People yeah. will love that. Yes, yes, yes that's yes. Uh, yeah, that's that's very popular. We have to do one thing in the final 15 minutes. So, so you All I hear to about it. is some of these people. We do. We do. Some of the, yes, we'll get to DK. Can you play him? Because maybe he has. He's been busy, right? He was down on Radio Row, shaking hands with LT, hanging yeah. with Ray Ray, Mina, G, the Irishman, everything that he had going on. Maybe he hasn't heard the D coordinator for the Seahawks. KJ. Oh. Yeah, KJ, are you familiar? I mean, we talked about the OC and all this stuff. Adam Durde? And, and obviously, Coach McDonald's going to be calling the defensive signals. Mm-hmm. Have you heard from the defensive coordinator? Have you listened to this motivator? Oh, yeah. Oh, you have? Like I was doing this still right at the end of my career. I started coaching. The guy that coached me in the South London team, he started a new team in South London, Furvank, near Croydon, so, um, right by Sellers Park. And um, I started going down there to help the young kids. And when I finished playing, I went down there all the time. Oh, this is going to be great. I'm what, excited for this guy. One thing I can say, one thing I can say about Durde. Is when he's leading, and when he's leading the team, mean when he's leading the defensive mean, you really gotta listen to like <laughs> and listen. You gotta yes. be dialed in and now listen. My to- kids are really into Everywhere. like when we watch Netflix or anything. They put on the closed captioning for everything now. I mean, my parents do it. My mother-in-law does it. I understand they're losing their hearing. Yeah, but my kids love to have the closed captioning on too, right? So you see uh-huh. all the words. Uh-huh. Do you think they'll do that at team meetings? <laughs> they're gonna have to, and he's gonna have to slow down. Yeah, this is English. Yes. It's still English, but you ever had a coach that was very difficult to understand? I've had some bad presenters. Uh, (laughs) I can understand people. I had some really bad presenters. Teammates? That was hard to understand? Yeah. No, I can I can understand right. their slang. You're from the south. You can kind of yeah. you can kind of figure it all out. Up up everything. All, yeah. all right, but um, I'm excited about Durday. I'm I'm really excited about it. He's gonna obviously lead the team meetings. He's obviously put up the structure and the philosophy of the defense. It's gonna be fun. Cool. It's gonna be fun. All right, so let's talk some personnel. You got a few uh, a few days before the first round of decisions need to be made. Uh, Geno Smith, his contract becomes guaranteed on Friday. Same with Dre Jones. There are others, but those are probably the two that would be most interesting in case they want to move forward. Twice now, we have heard uh, we have heard the new coach Mike McDonald when mentioning quarterbacks mention Drew Locke's name first. I don't care so much that he said it before Geno's, but I do think it's interesting that he said it at all mm. given that drew lock is not on this team right now he's an unrestricted mm. free agent we know that john schneider gave kind of a tepid review of gino's season and that Pete carroll seemed to be the guy who was most in gino's corner mm-hmm. when you put all of those things together will gino smith be on this roster this year gino smith is going to be the starting quarterback week one of the 2024 season there's no doubt in my mind what he brings to the table even with his contract he's not just destroying you when it comes to salary cap and what he brings to the table on game day, compared to what his contract is, yes, I fully expect Geno Smith come Friday to still be on this team. Okay. Yeah, and, and just to clarify, twelve and a half million of his contract becomes guaranteed yeah. on Friday. Yeah, a, 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 a similar chunk 
a big amount of money goes to Dre Jones on Friday for his 2024 salary. And the, and the reason this one is interesting is you have to, if you do want to sign Leonard Williams, it might be hard to sign both, right, to have both here next year. And from what we know of what they did in Baltimore, they generally liked bigger guys on the line of scrimmage defensively. Do you think Dre middle. Jones is still here? I, that's going to be hard for me to see. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I look at the the product on the field. I look at the playmaking on the field, and it's just I need more. I need way, way more. I need dominance. I need you to throw linemen to the ground. I don't want to see you on the ground on run plays. You know what I mean? And so I expected, when we did sign them to their country, I expected dominance. I expected a lot of playmaking. Yeah. And um, I didn't see enough to say that we're going to go forward in this next regime. What about DK Red Queen Metcalf? <laughs> <laughs> right, let's 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 break let's let's pull back these layers on this onion. Let's, Are let's, people talking about what do you mean? What let's, DK let's pull thing? back the layers on this onion. How dare you bring this up? Um, trade speculations are out there. DK Metcalf leaving the Seattle Seahawks, and for draft capital, in which we do need. I look at this from let's look at the big picture. Can JSN be your number one guy? Can he your be the top option? Can, you, can JSN be your top option? You drafted him number I, twenty overall. He better be. Tyler Lockett, how much does Tyler have left to go? Mm-hmm. I, I look at this receiving room, and I, I like it. I like it. But if you remove a DK Metcalf from this Ryan Grubb offense, who's going to be exciting, who's going to put up a lot of points, I think I think that's, that's, that's insanity. I don't think you should let a DK Metcalf go. Well, you're not talking okay. about letting him go. That's okay. right. That's yes. unfair oh, language. Oh, yes. Okay. Letting him go okay. is like, ah, cut DK Metcalf. I don't think he's any good. Mm-hmm. This isn't letting a guy go. It's saying you drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba number 20 overall, mm-hmm. which tells me that you believe he can be that big a weapon. Mm-hmm. And you do still have Tyler Loggett. You can probably restructure his contract. You can find other wide receivers in the draft. It's certainly a position where there are numerous players out there. And as you said, you have some significant needs elsewhere on your team. It's about taking the quality of your of your of your wide receiver room and lowering it in order to raise the quality of other rooms in the building. And and you and Basak, what he brings to what about what he brings to the table during the season? What about what he brings to the table on game day? He brings a lot. He's a great player. He's an awesome player. Yes. Yes, I understand that. But he brings a lot of volatility too. I mean, let's be fair. I can, I'm not I'm not fighting that as well. I'm not fighting that either. <laughs> you, you've got I'm, a new, I'm not fighting that. You got a new regime that's coming in and going to be laying down some accountability, going to be bluntly honest with people, going to be laying down a level mm-hmm. of detail that I think has been missing a little bit, a level of physical violence and things. Mm-hmm. You know, and DK was one last year that at times was a problem child. He was a problem student. Yeah, yes, he was. And this was my problem with the leadership of this football team. Do I do I think the leadership will be like that this year? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. With the McDonald, with the Leslie Frazier, that, that's not flying. When you do have those antics, when you do have those outbursts, it's going to get nipped quickly. And one thing I do know about DK Metcalf is when you do address him, when you do hold him accountable and not let stuff slide, then he will buy into whatever you say needs to be done. Yeah, and and my argument isn't really even about that, about the volatility, although certainly I guess it 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 is part of the situation. I'm absolutely willing to say that the that the volatility could go away with different coaching, different leadership, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll, you know, kind of find out. 
to me, it's just about the fact that your line of scrimmage isn't good enough. I get that. It's and not I think your line of scrimmage is more important than your wide receiver room. I, I get that. And the question is, if let's 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 do say, you, do you, you get, agree with that? By the way, do you think the which do you think is more important, wide uh, receivers know, yeah. or line of scrimmage? Line of scrimmage. Okay, line of scrimmage. Now the question is, what can you get? For a DK Metcalf. Now, that's obviously where this becomes in. If you can't get a first-round pick plus for DK Metcalf, you take this whole conversation and throw it out. Yeah. That's a non-start. I'm not going to trade DK Metcalf and all of his ability for a third-rounder or something. You're not mm-hmm. trying to just move on from DK. Okay. This mm-hmm. isn't a, hey, let's just see what we can get. It's if there are people out there that want to trade at least as much as the Eagles gave up for A.J. Brown, a first and third in that case, mm-hmm. maybe you could get more than that given that D.K.'s already been signed, so you're handling the signing bonus and another team doesn't have to pay him all of it. You could conceivably get a first and a second for D.K. Metcalf, Ooh. and if you can do that, I'm making that deal. If you can't do that, then this conversation goes away. Yeah, and if- Would you do it for a first and second round pick? I would. Absolutely. Absolutely, I would. Ooh. Absolutely, I would. But you're not getting that, Salk. You're not you getting sure? that. No GM. How about a first and third? I'll, you're not getting that either. Really? Heck no. Two years after A.J. Brown did? Isn't no, DK a very similar kind of player to A.J. Brown, a- 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 but a- with a- less money involved? A.J. Brown, I, I got A.J. Brown a, right a tad, here. A tad I got, I got A.J. Brown yeah, me too. Yeah, you're not getting that for a DK. You're not getting that. Maybe a second and... Yeah, then I'm out. If that's the case. Yeah, you're not getting a first. All right. You're, you're not getting a first. I don't think a GM in their in their right mind would do such thing. Is that because this league is understanding it really is about the line of scrimmage? Yeah. And that's is, it, awesome. is this because this league looks at just the Super Bowl and it's a copycat league and they say, man, Kansas City really didn't do anything at receiver and they had a tight end and they had some great interior offensive linemen, decent tackles. And had Chris Jones and some monsters on their defensive line. And, and Sam Fran, you said it in the preseason. It came true again. Like, this is a line of scrimmage league. Yeah. Offensive linemen are way harder to find than wide receivers. I'm not going to say wide receivers come a dime a dozen, but offensive linemen surely don't. And the difference between DK Metcalf and a guy you could kind of bring in to replace him in the mid-rounds, I don't think is as high or as big a difference as what you could do with first-round linemen and stuff that you really need, especially after last year with your two first-round picks, you drafted a corner and a wide receiver. And oh, by the way, the two defensive ends or linebackers that you've taken in the second round the last couple of years, one of them's been good to okay, okay to good. The other one was lousy in his rookie year. And you also took your other two second-round picks and went with running backs. So, unfortunately, you only took one offensive lineman with those six picks you had in the first and second round over the last couple of years. Five picks, excuse me. Uh-huh. That's not enough. That's that's not enough. That's not enough. No, I, I'm not fighting this. Hulk. And I, so because of it, you now need to do something. If DK is not going to get your first round pick, at least I'm with you. Forget the conversation. No. I think he could. I think there are teams out there that would value that level of talent who are on the precipice and think that's what they need. And Indy is probably a good example. Chicago might be an I example. S- I see all these. You see these receivers that's coming out of this draft this year? Right. It's about 10 that can go in the first round. Yep. That makes it but, hard, too. But they're right. all risks. One, I mean, uh, they, they are, might be Justin called, yeah, Jefferson. They might be... Uh, I'm trying to think of... Laquan Treadwell. Yeah, exactly no. right. Laquan, DK's other teammate over there, no, Laquan what's that, Treadwell. What's that guy? Charles Rogers. You guys remember Charles Rogers oh, from uh, yeah. Michigan, Michigan State? Oh, oh. Michigan State. That could be yeah. a Charles Rogers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, those things happen too. DK, you know, is good. 
You know he's a physical freak. You know exactly what you're going to get for the next three years. And if you have Anthony Richardson or you draft Caleb Williams and you know that's what you want to pair him with for that kind of a system, you don't think it might be worth a first-round pick to you to make it happen? I said a first-round same The same league that just traded a first and third for A.J. Brown and then used him to go to the Super Bowl the next year? I'm sorry, man. I think you can get a first-round pick and maybe more than that. By the for way, Tyreek Hill only drew a number 29. He was a, he got a first round and then a bunch of like a, a yeah. second and a fourth and a fourth. But he even he was only the number 29 pick him. in the first round. But you had to pay but him. You had to pay him. But you had to pay him. You don't have to pay DK. He's already he's Tyreek Hill. I'm just right. But mm-hmm. he's already. But money becomes a huge factor as we saw like with the Leonard Williams trade last year, right? And they still got four picks for him. They got a first rounder plus what a couple of twos and fours and fives stuff like that. And look where Kansas City is. Yeah, and, and to add more to it, we got a new coach coming in. We got a new coach coming in. He's going to have conversations with each and every single person in that building, and, and a lot with John Snyder. John, what do you see with this team? How do you want to build this team? Mm-hmm. How can we build this team? Can, can I? Can we play a quick little game here with that, KJ? I'm going to pause you right there. And and you put yourself in Mike McDonald's shoes. First time head coach, 36-year-old guy, smart as can be and everything else. And he says to John, because John will be making the decisions, John, I want to, I want to build the team in this image. Fill in for me the blanks of what do you think his image of his team looks like. I want to build a team that's physical at the line of scrimmage, someone that's blowing guys off the ball, someone on defense is blowing guys backwards, <laughs> I want to see a quarterback that can protect the football and a quarterback that can throw that thing downfield, be explosive, and go be that that guy to get us to the promised land. I want us to be efficient. I want us to be sound. Um, this toughness has been showing – no, this lack of toughness has really been shown in particular with the run game. Mm-hmm. We can't run the ball. and We haven't stopped it in the past two years. I want these two things to be fixed immediately. We won't get to talk to you for some weeks here, but if there's big news, hopefully you can uh, pop on with us. Where do you think this team will be changed the most? If all of those things are true and that's the image, where do you think in the oh. next month into their own decisions with free agents, into free agency, into the draft that follows oh. that over the next couple months, where do you think this team, when you're calling preseason games next fall, mm-hmm. where do you think they will be the most drastically different? In the fall, the, the, the most drastic difference would be the discipline. Hmm. We would see a disciplined football team, hopefully. What about personnel-wise? Personnel-wise. Well, yo, that's, that's, that's trenches. That's the trenches. Uh, we spoke about Draymond Jones earlier. I don't, I don't think he fits the style. That, that you think Leonard Williams does? Len, Leonard Williams is the style. Mm-hmm. Leonard Williams mm-hmm. is the style. I look at our three guys in the, in the middle, center, guard, guard. Some, we gotta, something got to happen there. Something got to happen there. I need that alpha male. I need some presence. I need a big, mm-hmm. solid dude to really. Third and one, we run it behind you, Larry Allen. You think Jeremy is back? The, I hope so. Hope Jay linebacker back. room? Linebacker room. A lot of decisions two, two there. Two free agents. A lot of decisions. Two free agents. And we, his guy from Baltimore out yeah. there as well, and Patrick Queen. Yep. Um, Jordan, I, w- I would love it to yep. see. Obviously, Bobby and Jordan back, mm-hmm. but I think Jordan is priority number one. If he could come back, great. If not, I think he's going to make a strong push for Patrick Queen, a uh, guy he's familiar with. And so 
We'll see. So what I got out of the last hour, Brock, I don't know about yeah. you, but what I got out of it is that KJ agrees with me on DK. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of different things you could say yes. and a lot of things you could I, infer. What I got out of it is that if you could get a first-round pick plus for, for DK, KJ's in just I'll like say me. this. You're a very persuasive person. <laughs> that's what, I, that's what <laughs> I'll say. You're very persuasive. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a compliment. I'll, I'll take it. He might be the first person to ever say it, but at least, uh, at least there's a nice compliment there from KJ. All right. Let me take a quick break. Brock is going to be here in just a moment. We we were going to talk to Roger Rosengarten, former Husky uh, tackle, who is uh, in the draft process. We want to find out a little bit more about Ryan Grubb and other stuff with him in about a half hour. Stick around. That's coming up on Brock and Salk.